This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, my special guest, you know him from Locked on Raptors. You know him from Raptors.com. You know him from being a, a sensible voice on Raptors Twitter. It's Vivek Jacob. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where that leaves me on Raptors Twitter because... As a sensible um, voice? Yeah, because... It seems like the thing to do on Raptors Twitter Twitter is to be unsensible. Yeah, but so. I, I don't see I don't feel like that's who you are. Do you <laughs> feel like that's who you are? Uh I'd like to think so. I like I, I'd like to think that, you know, I try to keep it cool and calm and not oh, judge. Okay. For a much. second there I was like, but... I will redo the intro. <laughs> no, no, no. But I was I was gonna say, like, I don't know where that leaves me with Raptors Twitter as someone who tries to be a bit sensible no i think it's i think it's good i think it's great because ultimately you want to have your own voice you know what i mean like you mm. want to stand out you want to be you like there's so many people on the internet who are just petty because and that's like their whole identity yeah. i mean like do you remember like if like a few years ago when everyone was like i hate pineapple on pizza and that's my whole personality now yeah. like that's kind of how i feel about when people are just only petty all the time it's like when Raptors Twitter first got going, JV Hive was like the worst of it. And now that's that's like the norm. That's mm -hmm, like the mm -hmm, base entry mm -hmm, point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you got to pick your side and you got to stand hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I can't claim I'm really – I'm definitely not a part of Raptors Twitter. I sometimes will tweet during a game, but, like, half the time, like, I, I also have comedy shows during the games, and then I have to catch up with it after the fact. But also I'm just, like, by the time I think of something, everyone else has just had, like, emotional, I don't know, angst. And yeah. then I'm like, I don't know where to go from here. Yeah, it's just – People seem to like hate watching has just gone to a new level. So I feel like <laughs> people almost enjoy the Raptors being like this to some degree, like mm -hmm, deep mm -hmm. down in like mm -hmm. a twisted way. And they just get to vent as much mm -hmm. as possible after. And, you know, I'm not going to do the whole LeBron 2011. <laughs> you got to go back to <laughs> living your life. But <laughs> it's yeah, a bit I, like that. Yeah. If I ever get, uh, if I ever get like somewhat famous, I'm definitely going to hire someone to delete all my 2011 tweets. Like I have no idea what they are. Yeah. I have no idea what they are. They're probably all terrible. I definitely wasn't doing anything like this yet. I mm -hmm. didn't even know myself. I don't want to get called out for something I said back then. I'm not worried about, about being like offensive per se, but I'm sure I had some of the worst takes. Yeah. 2011, I was still in the finance industry, so... Yeah, I I was working in I was working at CBC doing like broadcast administrative stuff. 
That's what I used to do before I decided to pursue writing and comedy and basketball and all this fun stuff. Um, we might as well get into it, although I do love bantering off the top. <laughs> uh, we always do NBA first here and then Raptors talk. So don't worry. We're going to get into last night's game. We're going to get into all our anxieties and everything we're feeling right now with the Raptors. But first, I really want to talk about this very, very impressive scoring boom we've been having right now. Uh, Donovan Mitchell scoring 71 points on June 2nd. Uh, Luka Doncic having a 60.20 rebound game. There's been 13 games this season so far where a player has scored 50 or more points, which only makes me sad because it makes pascal siakam's 52 at the garden just a little less impressive <laughs> like it's like when all these well, how guys many are... of them did it at msg that's true that's true <laughs> but it's just like well i think maybe more than one actually did it yeah. at, or maybe again yeah it wasn't luca's game well, no, it was Luke, against lucas the, was against the knicks but, like, it, was but it was at house. home yeah 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 <laughs> but in any case yeah so there's been a lot and so uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think this means in terms of like the game and how it's evolved? And who do you think may pop off next? Who hasn't yet? Right. Um, so I do think that, you know, we've seen this shift with offenses being like super, super heliocentric. Um, and that's kind of been the buzzword in the NBA uh, this season. And so I think when you're getting that much usage out of one guy and everything uh, is predicated on that one person, um, then you are going to get uh, these individual scoring performances. Then, you know, you throw in the stuff that's kind of been around where, you know, right from, you know, getting rid of the hand check and evolving from there and uh, the gather step that makes it easier to get to the basket as well. Um, that's another big thing. And then overall with offenses, just understanding the value of pace and taking shots early in the clock and you're getting that many more possessions in the game. I think that contributes to it as well. Um, before I give you my answer, I'm curious sure. what yours is. Uh, for who's going to pop off next? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think I have some two, two, I think they're pretty obvious picks. I don't think they're the most original picks. I could think of one that might be a bit more original, but I think, you know, um, okay, on the list that I have of the 13 teams, uh, I don't have Kevin Durant on this list. He has had multiple 40-point-plus scoring games this season, but he hasn't gone over 50 just this season yet. Mm -hmm. So I do think Kevin Durant is due for a game like that. Um, and also uh, Jokic could probably have a 50-point game this season. He hasn't yet. So I think those two are, if I was putting money on it, I think like those two would probably be next. Uh, who again who hasn't done it because luke has done it like three times <laughs> yeah it's just a <laughs> so, joke right? literally a who's joke. next it just could be luca again yeah but, yeah i think those are my two like safe picks for who i i think is next and then maybe like a slightly outsider pick i was thinking maybe like a john moran nice nice mm -hmm. um so my pick is gonna be anthony edwards Ooh, oh that's a see that's a fun pick see <laughs> I think, well, first off, he's actually on a streak right now. Um, I think he's got six straight or seven straight 30-point games. And I think with Carl Anthony Towns being out, he's really, like, found himself. He had a yeah. slow start to the season. Um, 
and I think he's really in a flow now. So I would not be surprised if one of these nights he popped off for 50. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty similar situation to the Warriors as well, right? Like with Jordan Poole, like even he could end up having like a 50-point game. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me that much. Um, yeah, no, that's a great answer. I mean, I also think too, just with the league being so wide open, which I think is gonna, probably going to end up being a bit of a theme throughout this episode as we talk about trades and things like that. Um, you know, I think the just the full parity in the league is also making it easier for these guys to just have these like blowout nights because it's just we're in a space right now where it's like anything can happen like the competition against you isn't so severe that it couldn't not happen in, in any given night you know what right I mean? yeah yeah and you know to that point of you know teams competing to a level that maybe you didn't expect Shea Gilgis Alexander might pop off. For oh my God. Yeah. That's another great pick. See, there's so many. That's <laughs> yeah. a really good one too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like yours better than mine, but I think mine are, you know, you're probably the more logical picks. Yeah. They're more bet friendly. Yeah. But yours are more fun. Sure. So I, I like that. I feel like we really balanced. Each other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, how great was it that clay dropped 50? Oh I was yeah. So happy when that yeah. That was so fun. Um, I'm always really happy for Clay. I, you know, I like the Warriors. I always have. Not when Durant was there. I'm one of those people, admittedly. Okay, I know. Maybe that's the, okay, good. Because I was like, <laughs> you know, I know, you know, people have had like some backlash to that take and stuff. But I, yeah, when, yeah, Warriors without Durant, I think are just one of the best teams I've ever watched. And I'm always kind of happy when they're, uh, when they're successful. Come at me in the comments. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, okay, another topic I want to talk about uh, for you, Vivek, is that trade talks are really ramping up. You know, I feel like a lot of different teams, are, including the Raptors, are sort of reaching this boiling point as we get closer and closer to the deadline. I'm wondering, mm -hmm. do you have a team outside of the Raptors that maybe you're rooting for and are hoping to maybe make a move before the deadline? Um. So I don't know if I'm rooting for, but sure. I think uh, the ones that I want to see make a move, uh, I think Dallas has got to get Luca some help. Mm. I don't think this is sustainable to go into the postseason just like having him put up 50 after 50 after 50. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's just asking too much out of his body. So I would like to see them put together some type of deal. I don't know what they could come up with just because of the pieces they have they don't have a lot to offer um i think before when went on their run everyone was like oh who's gonna make that swing for kd before the deadline but now mm -hmm. that doesn't look like the case so um if not then i was interested in memphis but uh in the east the team i'm curious to see if they'll sort of double down uh after making that big swing in the offseason is cleveland because uh, obviously they're much better than they were last year by getting Donovan Mitchell, but I still feel they're lacking a wing. And when you're looking at the playoffs and potentially going up against uh, the Bucks and Giannis, the Nets and KD, the Celtics and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like I think you need a wing player in those situations. And so I would be curious to see if they did try to make some type of move for a wing player it doesn't have to be like a superstar or an all-star like even someone like uh bogdanovich from detroit i think is someone that would be a good fit for them mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah, I think that would be great. I, I, yeah, I'm very curious about the Cavs. I have a feeling that they might not do anything uh, at the deadline just because things are going well. And I think they're going to kind of ride high on, on what they have. And it's, you know, it's their first year with Mitchell. And I have, I think they're going to probably reevaluate things more in the offseason. Yeah. But definitely, I think that could be a spot that they look more to, to fill. Uh, possibly in July. One right. thing, okay, this is a, a bit of like a, I don't know, a weird, okay, I went for the weird pick this time okay. myself. I didn't go for the obvious thing, and, I, and I'd like your opinion on this because I don't know who exactly they would trade for, but I, I'm looking at the East, and I think a lot of teams, not just the Raptors, are in a weird place right now, mm -hmm. you know, where they came into the season with higher expectations, you know, they, they want to win, uh, you know, I'm sure other fans are looking at them to blow it up, but do they blow it up? And I'm thinking about the Miami heat because yeah. they're in eighth right now. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the love of our lives, Kyle Lowry, and he hasn't had his best season this year. Um, I think his numbers are down a bit across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's not getting younger. I hate saying that because I don't want to be ageist. But <laughs> <laughs> he isn't getting younger. And I'm just wondering, like, is he a player they would look to move? He's not in any um, trade rumors that I've seen. But just looking at their record and what they're going through and you know, the fact that the rest of their core is younger than he is, it's like, it just feels like, you know, maybe they've gotten as far as they can with him. Yeah. And it would make sense to move on from him. Yeah. I think what's fascinating when I look at both Miami and Toronto, they both kind of bet on themselves this offseason. Mm -hmm. We're like, we're just going to, you know, come back better internally. And that didn't pan out for either team. Mm hmm. And I think with same my, with the Hawks and same with the Bulls, like these four yeah. teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Hawks, they, they did take that swing on. DeJounte, oh, yeah. They right? got DeJounte. Yeah, I forgot my bad. But bad. it just hasn't panned out. Um, yeah. So I think with Miami, Jimmy Butler is obviously the guy, right? And mm -hmm. I think he's missed time, which probably pushes them to think, hey, like, we can't be as reliant on Jimmy as we have been. And so I, th I think Pat Riley would be smart to, you know, just survey the landscape and see what does Kyle Lowry plus a pick plus, you know, whatever um, player down the roster uh, gets you something tangible, right? Because I think Bam has come a long way with his scoring. Mm -hmm. um, he's had a really good stretch. Uh, the chemistry he has with Tyler Harrow right now is... is awesome so i think just getting another piece in there and then kyle lowry you know going to you know even a place like minnesota um where he could take a back seat and he's got young guys around him mm -hmm. uh, that might help and he's the type of leader they could probably use mm -hmm. um some type of deal there might make sense but mm -hmm. i'm not sure exactly what yeah, I didn't get the the trade machine out, but I, I completely agree. Like, I don't necessarily see him like moving to uh, a championship contender, but to a team that could use his leadership, I think would be the most appealing prospect for him at this point. 
And yeah, I guess I'm just surprised I haven't heard more rumors around Miami. Like, I guess probably too, like you said, like Jimmy Butler has missed time and maybe, you know, they're, they're using that as, you know, a valid excuse, Yeah. but it's just one of those teams where I'm like, mm, I think, you know, I feel like teams go through this thing where it's like, you know, the era is probably over, but it's just, I mean, they too- just lost to the LeBron and AD less. Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Not great, but it's just too early to pull the trigger. It's like, you know, I mean, we always use relation. I feel like a lot of people use relationship examples in basketball, (laughs) but it's like when it's like when you know a relationship is over, but it's before you actually end it. It's it's that, I think, with that team. I could be wrong. I always want the best for Kyle, but that's that's kind of the team I'm looking at there right now. Um, Last night in Charlotte uh john morant for reasons i still don't know uh late in the third quarter didn't pick up the basketball <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, no just, that's it <laughs> just didn't, didn't pick, pick up just, the just didn't pick up the basketball and so what that meant was the shot clock didn't start the the eight count didn't start and for 20 i think it's 27 seconds no one did anything and He's just standing in, on the court and just like waiting for someone to guard him. And yeah. it's it's funny. It's a little painful. <laughs> it's like, I, I think it's painful if you're a Charlotte fan. Because yeah. even just as a basketball viewer, I'm like, okay, is no one just going to pick up this guy? Like, do they not realize time's running off the clock? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like some people have uh, have referred to it as like, not sportsmanlike and i think that's absolutely ridiculous because nothing's stopping you from going to the backcourt and actually just like defending the play i also yeah. think like it has like john Morant does have a bit of nerve but in a way i really like in terms of just like daring that team to defend him which yeah. i think is what he was doing like i think he was just it was a blowout game uh, you know, it's the Charlotte Hornets. They're they're not they don't really have any you know major aspirations this year. Uh, it looks like a lot of those players have checked out on the season themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's just like waiting for someone to guard him. And it took 27 seconds for, for someone, someone to do so. Yeah. yeah. And that is just so wild to me and and like there was something early yeah earlier this season too with like the phoenix suns and like zion like doing that dunk even though they clearly won the game and they were like hey you know that's not really like sportsman like you know yeah. <laughs> just like leave, leave it to chris paul to draw the line on what sportsman like <laughs> <and> not <laughs> exactly and i think all of this stuff is just ridiculous like just play you know yeah i i think for me it's just if if the league views it as a bad thing then change the rule right and yeah as long as those are the rules players are going to see that as an advantage if they have the lead right mm-hmm. technically you're putting yourself in a position where you just can play less defense right because mm-hmm. that's longer you're keeping the ball and so i think it's you know don't hit I, the player hit the game yeah i guess in fairness to charlotte too i mean who wants to full court press in a blowout in the third quarter <laughs> <laughs> Fair. In defense of them, Um, I guess it's like nobody wants to do that. And they're probably looking at him like, "Uh, are you serious? Like, what's happening right now? But no, I don't think any of this happens often enough to change the rules. But 
you know, shout out to the people who are trying to defend the Charlotte Hornets. This is probably the most press they're going to get all season. Probably. Uh, so I don't know if you've noticed, but the Celtics have actually also been doing this as well. But they go extreme with it. So they will do the rollout and like Marcus Smart will be standing there ready to like grab the ball in case someone comes. But then they also set like two screeners in front of him. Oh, and they have done this multiple times this season. Someone actually wrote an article about it and with like multiple clips of them doing it this season. Oh, so it's not that classic like Chris Paul, Larry, like rolling right. of yeah. the ball. Like the, what is it called? Like walking the dog, like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's the, like, he is he is he rolling it or is it just like fully stopped? No, it's stopped so that, you know, you stopped. literally force so the they're defense just to setting, come out. Oh, and, and wow. Like they've got two guys ready to screen and delay defenders from getting to him that's kind of i'll, that's, I'll send you the article after yeah please do that's really smart <laughs> do you feel like that's smart? i feel like that's smart yeah i mean no pun intended yeah, <laughs> yeah not smart um, i mean marcus didn't come up with it <laughs> <laughs> or at least um, i'm assuming not i'm assuming yeah so not. again it's just like like you know for me someone who watches like different sports like with soccer, a lot of teams ha have this vision of like, hey, the best way to defend is to actually just like keep the ball, right? Mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. just like, oh, the other team has the ball. Like, what are you doing to stop them? It's just, hey, the best way to stop them is to just keep the ball. And uh, this is just happens to be a situation where it's before the, you know, the last two minutes of the quarter. So the the clock is running, the game clock's running, but the shot clock isn't. And so you gain that advantage. And so I think as a defense, you you just have to be smart enough to pick up on that. It's also just like a nice way for Marcus to rest and no one else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he gets like a little like 15 second timeout and no one else does. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, hey, Boston's been very successful this year for many reasons. And that's another one I just I didn't know. So that's awesome. Uh, one last, uh, just small shout out here before we move on to our beloved Raptors. And that is, uh, just a shout out to Paul George and Randy Jackson of the LA Clippers, because they sat down with ABC's Good Morning America and did an interview about mental illness and about mental health and just talking about how important it is to get therapy and to get help. I just thought it was really cool that they did that. So I definitely want to recommend people check out that interview. I thought it was awesome that they were just so like open about it. Also just like a lot of like montage photos of the two of them hugging on the court. Like if that's your mood right now, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that. Um, it was a very sweet interview. You could tell Paul George is just so much more comfortable with the camera. Like he was really like leading that interview and he, Randy Jackson was definitely like a bit more shy, but I, I just think it was so great that they did that. And, you know, I'm typically not rooting for the Clippers because uh, hello, they always rip off our style, but definitely shout out to them for that. I just thought that was really cool. No, for sure. And I think this goes back to uh, the bubble, right? When uh, the Clippers got knocked out and Reggie Jackson gave that super emotional mm -hmm. uh, speech talking about how like the Clippers literally saved his life. And like Paul George was the one because they know each other who kind of uh, talked to the front office and was like, hey, you know, if we're looking for a guard, maybe this is a guy we look at. 
and uh, that kind of resurrected his career after mm-hmm. it seemed like, you know, after Detroit, things were going uh, the wrong way. So I think it's really cool that they did that. And, and you know, shout out uh, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, those guys yes. who kind of were the first to like kind of normalize this stuff, right? And at least within the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well said. Uh, okay, time for our very necessary Raptors Homer moment. Okay, Vivek. So uh, apparently it's being, you know, wildly reported that the Raptors are going to be the ones who dictate this year's NBA trade deadline. Apparently all these teams, uh, especially noted are Dallas, Phoenix, the Lakers and the, the Atlanta Hawks are primarily looking to see what the Raptors are going to do uh, before the trade deadline. So if you're Maasai, Mm-hmm. Uh, who whose call are you interested in most? Who are you most interested in talking to here? Um, you know, I am probably most interested in not taking any calls. Oh, uh, love that. <laughs> okay. I love that. Uh, because I feel like coming in, there were big expectations and the team hasn't necessarily panned out, but the biggest overarching theme that has emerged for me is like I think you've seen everything you needed to see with this vision 6-9 experiment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know going back to last season what worked what didn't work this season what's worked what hasn't worked um, I think they've maximized what they can get in terms of like transition play and offensive rebounding and the value of that but at the end of the day transition on a good night accounts for like a quarter of what happens in the game. Mm-hmm. There's still like 75% of the game that's played in the half court and you have to be better in that. So you need, you know, more of a traditional point guard who can run an NBA offense. You need um, a legitimate NBA center that makes life easier for those six, eight, six, nine guys yeah. on the glass. Um, and so I think, you know, it's something that you've learned enough to say, hey, there's definitely opportunities where this can be a closing lineup for stretches. This can be a death lineup, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I don't think it can be your style of play for 48 minutes. And so if I'm Masai, I'm just looking at that and saying, okay, how do I refine this roster to say, okay, that's just an option we have, a good option in spurts, but maybe not like our defined play style for 48 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, and it's definitely a topic amongst most Raptors fans right now, the whole six foot nine lineup thing. You know, last year I found it a, a little confusing, intriguing, you know, very like trust in Masai kind of vibes. And then honestly, like during that playoff series against Philly and when Joel, I mean, I've said this on this podcast multiple times, like when Joel Embiid hit that three in overtime, over us and they got exactly what they wanted that's to me when i knew like this isn't gonna work like you i i have missed a a proper starting center on this team for a while i mean we haven't really had one since like 
Gasol and Ibaka were on this team in 2020. So it's been like multiple years now. And the thing that I don't really understand about the six, nine vision, and maybe like you can help me with this is that I understand the want and need for versatility. I just don't understand why everyone has to be the same height. Yeah. (laughs) like why does yeah. everyone have to be the same height to yeah. have versatility i just that part i don't get yeah and you know for me i've always viewed uh the best teams championship teams as ones that like function as swiss army knives and mm-hmm. can play different play styles can play different types of players different sizes different skill sets uh depending on what you know a matchup requires and i think the Raptors have their own example from the 2018-19 season where um, take, for example, the Philly series uh, when they needed to figure things out, all of a sudden they went big with playing both Ibaka and Gasol together. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, you get to the finals and it's like, oh, we need to like account for Steph Curry better. We're going to start Fred Van Vliet in these second halves instead of Danny Green, Mm -hmm. right? So like those different types of players that you can throw into the mix for different types of matchups I think are, are all is, is always going to be the best way to go um and so again I think this is a nice have and not necessarily <laughs> you know everything you need to have mm-hmm. um and the other thing too is within the six eight six nine guys that they have uh that size doesn't guarantee versatility of skill set either, right? When when you look at, say, for example, um, you know, with Scotty Barnes, right? Like we've seen him now consistently defend, um, you know, power forwards or centers better than he defends out at the point of attack, right? Just because mm-hmm. someone's 6'8 and long doesn't mean they can defend every position. Um, and so I think that's something that's also been exposed during this time. Like OG Ananobi can do it. Uh, Precious Achua can do it. Uh, Pascal Siakam can do it to an extent. And mm-hmm. that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. After that, whether it's Chris Boucher or uh, Scotty Barnes or, uh, you know, whoever else you want to throw into that list, there are limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other two, like the other thing too, just about everybody looking to the Raptors literally flying around us like vultures is that just goes to show that these players are valuable, right? Like when everybody's calling for the tank and like, you know, we're definitely going to get into that, but you know, it's just like everybody wants these guys for a reason. And I do think that's something to keep in mind when everybody's having their hot, hot takes out here. Um, Okay. So Vivek, I didn't put this on our docket because maybe last night this morning, I was just a little bit exhausted about it, but this game last night against Milwaukee, good Lord. Like it it was, it was strange. It was bizarre. It was all the things, uh, some good moments, a lot of bad moments, a mm-hmm. lot of like, you know, the Raptors have gotten into this habit of like the fourth quarter comeback that doesn't result. The fake comeback. The fake comebacks. Too. And and I think last night was one of those like, I mean, maybe you can't call it a fake comeback because it did lead to an overtime, yeah. but it was just one of those epic like last minute surge comebacks. And it's like so frustrating because it's like, where was this the whole game? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, where was this the whole game? And like, like Scotty Barnes has had like a couple games where like he comes alive in the fourth quarter, yeah. which is like great, but it's also like, why does it take three quarters to come alive? And this is the other thing with Raptors Twitter now, where it's like, you're not even allowed to say that apparently, where if you say that and just acknowledge that he's been quiet in first halves and then all of a sudden turn it around in the second half, now you're like super critical of this like 21 year old. And it's like, <laughs> it, you can criticize a player and acknowledge that he's super young and he needs to learn these things. <laughs> like, yeah. Both yeah. Can be true. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think what was so frustrating watching that first quarter is you look up after like six minutes of the game. And of course, on the one side, the Raptors are 0 for 15, but you're also like, man, you've held the Bucks to seven points in six minutes. Yes. Like, if you were just somewhat functional offensively right now, there would be a blowout our way. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the frustrating part. And especially in a game like that, or a situation like that where the Bucks are coming in on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. There's no Drew Holiday. There's no Chris Middleton. If you can punch them in the mouth early, then it just makes it that much more difficult for them. And mm -hmm. All of a sudden now when they're kind of able to just control the game the whole way through um, on your home court, that's not a great look. And, you know, I think a lot of most people, and they're probably right to say that, you know, these next now five games at home is mm -hmm. de determine a lot in terms of what the Raptors should do. But, I mean, I, I feel like if the offense continues to struggle like this, another, you know, two, three games, like, you know what you need to do. Uh, I mean, uh, frankly, yeah, you already do. I, so this is something I've heard a lot of people say over the last, like, 24 hours. And I have to, I, I just disagree with it. I don't think this this five six game home stretch matters. I think we've seen enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've no, seen it's pretty enough. Clear. Yeah, like I don't think like we're not gonna go on a five game winning streak right now. Yeah, and, and if we do, I will happily. They haven't be won wrong. three straight all season. Yeah, like we're like I don't know what like I don't know what in the Homer talk in the I don't know what's in the water at Scotiabank Arena that every <laughs> person was like, well, this home stretch is really going to determine things. It's been determined. <laughs> it's been yeah. determined. Yeah, that much I think is true. So you know, shout out to being optimistic, I guess. But uh, we're just delaying the inevitable here. And I think, you know what? We're realists see. here. We're realists here. <laughs> so that's a good way to segue into the next part of this. And that is to tank or not to tank. That's what's on everyone's mind. In fact, I'm sure you've been asked this several times throughout the season. I'm sure you've answered this many times. But maybe your feelings have changed as time goes on. So on this, as we record Thursday, January the 5th. <laughs> Because <laughs> your mind's allowed to change again. How do you how do you feel to tank or not to tank? So I think that um, tanking is just going to be difficult because of the contract situations that present themselves. Like, for example, uh, Pascal Siakam, if he makes an all NBA team, he's eligible for a supermax. Right. So having that conversation of hey, you know, maybe sitting out the final two months 
I don't think that conversation is going to go very well. <laughs> um, Fred Van Vliet, like he's got a contract situation to think about and he's not had a good first half of the season. I don't think, you know, sitting him down and just being like, oh, you know, let's just go into the offseason like this. He's not going to be down for that, right? Gary Trent Jr. wants to continue to showcase himself. Um, and so I think it's going to be difficult from that regard to be like bad enough to be down there, uh, you know, competing for like a top four pick. So, um, uh, so the only option then is to actually like make a choice where you're either, and this was a discussion that happened before last season started where you were debating, oh, do you now build around this super young core of Scotty, Gary, OG, or do you lean uh, into Pascal and Fred? And the way Scotty looked last season, you thought, oh, okay, there's an opportunity here to marry both together, right? Because maybe Scotty will develop so fast that you can. Um, and maybe now you look at it and say, okay, maybe Scotty needs more time than that. Uh, and I think you might be forced into a situation where you now do have to pick and you can't think that you can do both. Yeah, I was, uh, this is such a great point. And I was having this thought earlier today that, you know, we went into the season thinking you can have both Pascal and Scotty Barnes, but it's become really clear that they're on different timelines and you have to choose which timeline you're going to be on. Are you going to be on the win right now timeline with Pascal and, mm -hmm. and, and I think you would have to seriously consider trading Scotty in that scenario. Not that I yeah. want to trade Scotty or I don't believe in his potential, but I just think like it's you the said, conversation that needs to happen. Yeah. Or you lean in to the idea that like, okay, we're going to be a younger team and it's going to be Scotty. Like, I think if we, you know, quote unquote tank, you know, so much of the season has gone by. I don't think we're going to be the last two teams in the East. We'll probably still be 12th. And, right. you know, that means you're probably, you know, you might not get a top four draft yep. pick no yep. matter what we do. You might not get a top four draft pick. That doesn't guarantee that. So I, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the interesting thing that we discover over the, ne the next month is whose timeline are we on? Cause it's not going to be both. And I think that, probably right there is sort of like the crux of what makes this season a bit heartbreaking because we thought we were going to be able to build around both these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it comes down to like these really, really difficult conversations, right? That you either go one way or you don't like, obviously they had to have really difficult conversations. You know, what was it? Four years ago mm -hmm. when they traded, uh, well, five, years ago, five years ago now <laughs> we're in 2023 that's right <laughs> good lord <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and you know trading tomorrow and uh moving on from that like again these are the difficult conversations that the front office needs to have which way you lean is going to be really interesting because the other thing now that you have to also entertain uh in terms of an idea is uh does Scotty Barnes get to a point where he is better than this version of Pascal right now? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where last season, I think most people would have said uh, pretty definitively yes, mm -hmm. um, because neither would people have really seen Pascal getting to where he's been this season, nor would they have seen the downs of Scotty. Uh, and, you know, I think everyone 
at the end of last season was projecting Scotty to just be this, you know, all-time talent. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think like, uh, I, I'm also more on the retooling side only because we don't have to do anything to tank. Like, I don't know why everyone thinks we have to trade to tank at this point. We don't like, I agree with you in terms of like, yeah, we can't ask these guys to sit out because there's too much at stake for them. But that doesn't mean it's like, Hey, you know, everyone's been begging Nick nurse to limit your minutes a little bit. We could right. do that. We, you know what, we, we're not going to be a playoff team this year, which means we need to spend more time developing our bench. You know, there's things like that too. So it's not so much like you're going to ask them to sit out or like fake some sort of injury or something. But I do think there's ways around it where like we just stay 12th in, mm -hmm. in the East or like for all we know, Orlando could go on a run and yeah. we could even bottom out that way without making a move. So I think if your team tank, you actually don't necessarily want to make a move because you can still get a pretty decent draft pick as is without giving up anybody. Yeah. So I feel like that's the move if you want to tank. But if you want to double down and believe in this season, then I think you're going to have to give up somebody fairly significant like an OG and an OB in order to get a real center. So we can actually like really crash the boards. Like there was like a play last night with the Bucks where it's such an unmemorable play, but like Brooke Lopez like dunked on Siakam and I was mm. like, this can't happen. <laughs> like I just got mad. You know what I mean? It was like somewhere yeah. early in the fourth and I was like, this cannot happen. Someone needs to box out Brooke Lopez. Pascal should not be forced to guard him. Not that he can't guard him, but you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like one of those things where I'm like, no, like this has to stop. And I think you, you, we're, you're going to have to make some sort of a sacrifice like that in order to move in. It might feel like a lateral direction right now, but eventually an upward trajectory around Siakam. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. And, you know, I think as far as like tanking as a concept is concerned, I'm okay with it as an exception, right? Uh, I'm not... I'm definitely not a believer in like the process tank where mm -hmm. you do it for like five, six years in a, in a row and you're trying to like just max out on all these draft picks mm -hmm. or even what OKC is doing for that matter. Um, I, I'm not a fan of that just because I feel like it sets a bad tone as uh, a basketball team in terms of what your expectations are. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then, you know, I, I, I just feel like bad habits get picked up that way. But you know, if there's just like a one-year opportunity that happens to present itself, like Tampa did, mm -hmm. um, you can even go back to like with the Spurs when David Robinson got injured and oh, then yeah. they kind of went tank mode. And then all of a sudden you've got the Twin Towers with Robinson and, Duncan, and Duncan, yeah. right? And so I think there's certain opportunities uh, that present themselves and the Raptors might be looking at a situation like that right now. I don't know if this year's an opportunity, but just a fail. <laughs> 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 like the Tampa season was an opportunity to tank. This is just a fail. But yeah. uh, but I hear you. Yeah, like not doing it intentionally. But if that's where you find yourself, then so be it. Right. Yeah, like I think like with Philly, like what they did with like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons for a while there and what OKC is doing now. There's this part of me that's like, I feel like this is a little conspiracy of me, but I'm like, the league can't let those teams win at all. 
because it's just then it just becomes if they don't so the basketball the gods won't. Yes, that's what I mean. If like the league the won't, four bounces was the basketball yeah. gods saying no. The Raptors are winning this year. Tanking cannot win. Yeah. <laughs> or like process style tanking. Both, both. Win. Yeah. It was saying both. Absolutely. Like, like Adam Silver doesn't get as involved as uh, David Stern did. So, yeah, I think it really is up to the basketball gods, but that's just what I believe. I just feel like, no, nah, I don't think these teams are actually going to end up winning full championships. Um, but yeah, okay. So we're both team retool here. We're both begging for a center. I mean, maybe there's a DeAndre Ayton situation that can become available to us because, you know, well, they don't have Devin Booker right now, but the Suns have lost five in a row. He is unhappy there. I, I'm a little suspect as to why DeAndre Ayton isn't happy in Phoenix because that's like a winning team. And like Monty Williams is like a highly regarded coach. I'm Chris Paul's a little prickly, but uh, you know, other yeah. than that, it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know why he's so unhappy there. And I don't know if like our culture vibes are so good right now that it's like, we can take an unhappy player and make them super happy here. It's Toronto where we the North. Like, <laughs> I don't know how much we're in that place anymore. So that's my only like major concern with a, a move like that. But I mean that, or like, you know, there's Clint Capella and, on the Hawks, like the Hawks might be looking to make a move. They could mm. really use someone like OG, you know, I think those will be the talks, the rumors as, yeah. as we progress. But I definitely think if a retooling does happen at this deadline, it's going to, I hope, I hope to God it's for a center. <laughs> Some kind of center. Um, you know, it, it, I'm kind of bummed uh, that the Nick Claxton deal didn't work out mm. last year because I, I like him as a center and he's really blossomed this season. Um, and the rumor was that it was a protected first round pick. And I was like, you know what? Maybe you could have removed the protections on that one. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I think it would be nice to see a center. And I think the other thing that'll be interesting to see with the front office is they don't seem like an organization or, you know, Masai, Bobby, uh, Teresa Resch. Like they don't seem like people that will like just cave to having a gun to their head. And they yeah, yeah. say, hey, like we know what needs to be fixed, but we'll do it in the off season, you know? Yeah, I mean, I do think that even if we made a trade for a center, like an OG for one of these guys I mentioned, plus, you know, whatever makes sense to to even it out. I, I still don't think that's going to move the needle for us like so dramatically far. It might take us to the play in. Right. But I'm also like in my mind, I'm like, make a move like that now. Get like yeah. a really solid center because you don't know if you'll be able to find that in the draft or not. Like that's right. harder to find. Um, so unless you have like a top pick, right? Right. So do something like that. You'll probably end up being in twelfth or eleventh anyway, you know. Yeah. You'll end up having a, a draft pick that's somewhere between five and ten, regardless this season. And then you don't have to give anyone up. Plus you're getting uh, a new rookie in what's rumored to be a very stacked draft mm -hmm. and go from there. Like I I'm just not looking at this season. Like we're going to salvage it and make this like huge playoff run or like late season push. Like we did last year. Right. I do think if a trade does happen, it's more than likely that it's Gary who goes 
Oh um, yeah, because he's a free agent, and I don't think he's going to stay. Right. That's another so, hot take of mine. I don't think Gary's staying. <laughs> so I think of the pieces from that core, um, it'll probably be him. I'd also be very hesitant to move on from OG just because I view him as like the link piece. Like, say you, yes, in the off season. I mean, I just, love OG. I'm just yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like for me. If you go to the offseason and you do have that conversation about, hey, do we need to swing one way between Pascal or Scotty? Like OG is the one who fits into either timeline. Great point. Yeah. And so that's where my hesitation comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know. Like, could, like, is there a world where you trade Gary for a center? Maybe I'm Potentially, just so if you find the right blinded by my want and need for a center. Like you probably have to attach a pick um, right. to get like a decent one, a serviceable one. <laughs> yes. When I say a center, I mean a starting center. So a top right. 30 person in that position. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, what like a trade for Jakob Pertl would look like, right? Like, mm-hmm. what would the Spurs want for that? Because I think the other thing that gets interesting with these deals with tanking teams is they don't want a player that's really going to help them win right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they just want, like, draft picks, draft capital, um, someone with potential that type of thing, as opposed to a win-now guy. Like, I think you look at the Donovan Mitchell trade as a prime example of that, right? Like, I don't think they expected Laurie Markkinen to be playing as well as he mm-hmm. is. Um, but you look at the other pieces they got in it, um, I think uh, that shows that, you know, tanking teams in general, like, it's not like they're looking for, like, that equal exchange back that you might think. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great point. Uh, At least in terms of like current talent. Yeah, like you know, especially about OG. Like I, I guess yeah. Again, just blinded by our desperate need for a real center. <laughs> but I mean, if there's a world where we could trade Gary Trent Jr. for Jakob Pertl, I love this because what I guess what I'm really proposing is somewhere in the middle between tank and retool. Because you are retooling, but it's really more for next season. Because now you have a starting center for, well, the rest of the season and next season, but you know you're probably not going to still win enough games. Like he doesn't, like someone like Jakob Pertl doesn't bring us so much offense, you know, that we're not going to still struggle with half court offense here and there. Yeah. So it's like the rest, you spend the rest of the season figuring it out with who you have. And then you still get that decent somewhere in the top 10 draft pick. And then you come in next year with with more tools. Yeah. And the other thing you got to consider with, you know, whether you're trading Gary, OG, if you want to throw Fred in there, is those are the three guys on the team that offer some type of volume three-point shooting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you take away one of them, now you're down to two, Mm -hmm. um, unless you get another guy who can do it. and obviously Fred's not shooting the ball well um, right now, but that's another thing where you have to think about, like, are you going to leave this team completely bereft of shooting? Yeah. It's already bad enough as it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it is. I mean, I would be pretty shocked if something huge happened with like a Scotty Barnes or something like that. Like that would really, really shock me, especially at the trade deadline. Like maybe if right. it's like an off season thing that shocks me a little less. But if something like that does happen midway, then it's like to me, that isn't just that, oh, they don't believe in his like development as a player. I'm like, to me, that means like there's something off about this person's like personality and the way they like fit with like our team and our culture. Right. And, like that sort of thing like that's what that would be a sign of to me personally yeah no i, th- I think that's a good call because you know um even to a, even to that point like you would be making a pretty bold statement because on some extent you know whatever it may be that they may view negatively off the court even if they do um to some extent you could just say hey there's a 21 year old being a 21 year old Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and so if they were to make a swing like that at the trade deadline with scotty that would be a a huge flag i think right yeah that's a huge red flag because let's be real we could have gotten kevin durant for (laughs) months ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i i would be shocked if that happened yeah i agree um Rebecca, is there anything else you you want to mention in terms of this whole tank retool raptors you know you know delving into madness here um you know i i will say obviously all the talk is about Wembenyama and scoot henderson but um it's a fairly good draft like those first 10 12 so even if it's not those two um you know you don't have to go into full out tank mode to get a good player and and you know growth isn't linear um and as disappointing as this season has been you kind of add the right pieces we we know what those pieces are in terms of a center um a guard um Mm -hmm. real playmaking skills and you know whatever you can add uh otherwise you know you could put yourself right back in the fold for next season yeah absolutely um vivek it is time for our nick nurse hottie highlight of the week and i know all of you want him fired and i don't care I will run <laughs> this segment into the ground. Uh, and we have a really good hottie highlight this week because Nick Nurse uh, plays a cop on the CBC comedy Pretty Hard Cases. And I had this little tidbit information back in the summer, actually, because Freddie Rivas, shout out to Freddie Rivas of the Confederacy of Dunks, his brother, Miguel has a role on that show and so he told me like back in the summer like i got to hang out with nick nurse on set and blah 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 you know really like just destroying the nda there but i don't think i don't think he had an (laughs) nda but he was telling me this like months ago when it was like sunny outside and like you know barbecue all of that and so i've just been holding on to this little bit of information and now it's out and you know he's like you know playing a cop doing this whole cop thing but it's a comedy so it's not like you know, mm-hmm. he's not being like a weird real life right. cop. 
you know what I mean? He's like, more Brooklyn Nine Nine vibes. Yeah, it's more Brooklyn Nine Nine vibes for sure. So that's really fun. I'm always like, I'm very obsessed with how much he loves being a Canadian celebrity, like specifically a Canadian yes. celebrity. Like he was on Murdoch Mysteries a while back. Now he's on Pretty Hard Cases. Like there are real actors that would like kill for his resume. You know? Yeah. <laughs> But Absolutely. he's got he's got that actor card. He's paying his union dues. And, you know, I, for me, I love to see it like this is the reason why I love Nick Nurse so much is because he has this like silly side to him where mm -hmm. he doesn't take himself too, too seriously all the time. Yeah. And, and this is like this is the stuff that made me fall in love with him originally. So I feel like in a moment like this us nick nurse stands really needed this so you know shout out to that shout out to the cbc comedies uh, i'm a writer on the show run the burbs uh that premiered uh last night you can catch it on cbc gem as well so okay you know, sweet i will check that out yes cbc gem i do have that it's free so everyone has it technically as a canadian taxpayer but we won't get into that <laughs> 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 um, but that's been yeah that's been our, our show today Vivek thank you so much for joining me through our existential crisis uh, it means a lot to me uh, to have you on the show here you know like I waited till after the World Cup and after the holidays but you know because you've been very very busy also um, if you want to give us an avatar review because you went and saw the movie earlier today without any spoilers feel free to give us to that give us that right now um avatar uh storyline is solid i wouldn't say okay. it's great um but i think it's solid and visually it is stunning um okay because that was one thing i was curious about where you know it was the first one was visual visually stunning for the time mm -hmm. and i was like with the way video and everything has advanced like is it gonna have that same appeal but the way they made it like i, I went and watched it in imax 3d because i was like that's how you gotta watch it yeah we're going to do this the right way. Um, and yeah, go watch it. If, if you're going to go watch it, watch it in IMAX 3D. Um, and yeah, it's visually, it was incredible. Um, and the storyline was good enough. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, Vivek, uh, for all of, uh, for everyone listening, let us know uh, what you're up to and where we can find you on the internet. Yeah, right now it's all in on Raptors content. So you can head to raptors.com uh, and check out my stories there. Uh, I recently did a story um, when Phoenix came to town on the connection that Bismack Biombo shares with uh, Christian Coloco. And oh, cool. so uh, that was pretty cool to learn about. So you can check that out there. And uh, beyond that, you can just follow all my work on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Catherine, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was very therapeutic for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Talking good. to another sensible person. So, uh, yeah, I had a blast. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, you know, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to interview educated people and to be a sensible, therapeutic voice for them. Uh, thank <laughs> you so much for uh, tuning in and for listening again. And we'll catch you next week. Bye.